a radio.com sports podcast. What's going on, everybody? This is the radio.com prevent defense pod. I'm Elliot Shore Parks here with the one and only Brian Baldinger. Really excited to get this started on the radio.com sports and radio.com app. Brian, I know it's been exciting first three weeks of training camp at the NFL. You're like, where's Waldo over there? Like, I can barely ever find you. You're all across the country. Where have you been so far? I think you told me before you've been to, what, 12, 12 uh, camps already? All right, let me try to do this here, Elliot. I started with the Chargers in L.A. I went to Kansas City. I came to the Eagles. I went to the Giants. I went to the Jets. I went to the Colts. I came back to L.A. and went to the Chargers, the Cowboys, and the Rams. And then I went to Napa and saw the Raiders and Rams scrimmage. I've been down to Baltimore. And I was back in Philly for Ravens and Eagles scrimmage the past two days. So I felt like I've seen about somewhere around 12 teams, maybe a little over a third of the league right now. So mm-hmm. I, I have a pretty good pretty good idea of, of some teams I think that are going to be really good and some teams I think that you know are going to struggle. So you've been to 12 teams and you've been to all their training camps. And obviously me and you were in Philly yesterday. Uh, on Monday and Tuesday, watching the Ravens and the Eagles. And I couldn't help but think, watching them practice, watching the inner squad scrimmages, and you've seen a few of them, are we witnessing the death of the preseason? And is this a death that we're excited to see? I mean, is this something where, you know, are you do you learn more about these teams in the joint practice than you do in the preseason games? Because when I talk to Doug Peterson, he really, really values these joint practices. He can set up certain plays that he wants to make sure he sees his offense in. He can put his defense in certain situations. He can run a bunch of third down plays in a row. And I think Doug is one of the smartest head coaches in the league. He certainly has proven that over the last two years. And you see other teams around the league doing it. The Rams, the Patriots, like the you know the two Super Bowl teams from last year. Do you think you can learn more about your team in a joint practice scrimmage than you can from a preseason game? And is this where the league is heading? Yeah, I mean, this is where it's all going, uh, Elliot. For all, a lot of the reasons that you just said, uh, you can script practice. I mean, Carson had 86 snaps with the first offense on Monday. He had almost 80 yesterday. In the heat of the day, 100, you know, it was a 100-degree in, heat index. We were all out there suffering through it. The players were. Uh, and you can script everything. So, I mean, you could put Carson in a preseason game. He may never get uh, a red zone drill. He may never get a two-minute drill. He may never get, you know, to see the blitzes that the Ravens threw at him and what Wink Martindale was throwing at him uh, the last two days. You can really script everything and put the red jersey on Carson and, you know, take the hits off him. Uh, And so it it takes two really, I think, smart head coaches to do it. I mean, Doug and and John uh, Harbaugh, I think they have they had a great understanding. We saw almost no skirmishes. We saw no fights. Um, but on the other hand, I was up in Napa and I saw the Rams and Raiders go at it and there seemed to be a fight every five minutes and they didn't have a good handle on it. Um, and I did see a player get hurt. So, but for the most part, while the league sort of has their head in the sand over this whole issue, nobody, the the stands are empty right now, Elliot, uh, around the league, fans aren't coming to these games and players aren't getting enough out of it. And we're not seeing the star players play. The, three, the, the teams are figuring this out. The Saints have scrimmaged twice this year. The Ravens have scrimmaged twice. Um, you know, the Rams have scrimmaged twice. The Chargers. I mean, these teams are figuring it out. They're lining up 
teams on the preseason schedule and they're figuring out how they can practice with one another for two days, get two really good scripted days out of it. And the fans are being shortchanged terribly right now. And so I'm not getting a lot out of watching it. Um, we're not going to see any third team players play on Sunday starting September 8th. So the league has to catch up to it right now. So I agree the league has to catch up to it. The only thing is, and look, it, it always comes up when you talk about the NFL. The NFL is a business. They make these decisions based off of money. And I, you know, I know you say nobody's going to the preseason games, but they're still selling tickets to those games. They're still profiting off of those games. And when you talk about why these players aren't playing, let's take Carson Wentz, for example. Carson Wentz probably won't see one snap in the entire preseason. And that definitely sucks for the fans that are going to these games. The Eagles have two home preseason games. The Eagles will probably sell those games out, honestly. They're one of the few fan bases that will. Carson won't play in those games. But the reason he won't is because this team just invested $126 million into him this past offseason. And you're not going to put that kind of that kind of investment out on the field in a preseason game that doesn't matter. I ultimately think you could see preseason games change, like seeing the quarterback in a red jersey at during the preseason game, maybe more of, you know, inter-squad scrimmages in these stadiums as opposed to doing them at the facility. Do you think there's any way to save the preseason? Or am I crazy for saying, look, let's put a red quarterback on these jerseys and let him play in front of 50,000 people this way? Well, that's not football, Elliot. You can't put a football jersey on a quarterback and say that he's untouchable um, and call it a game. I mean, you just call it what it is and open, you know, put yesterday and Monday's and Tuesday scrimmage in a football stadium. If you want to sell tickets and parking concessions, do that. Put the scoreboard up and let them go scrimmage one another, um, you know, and have a, a real joint practice and do it like in a big atmosphere. Uh, if you want to do that, that's fine. If you want to put it on local television, on Comcast or something in Philly, you could do that. And back in Baltimore, you could do the same thing. But I don't think you can sell this as a you know, part of a 10-game package to fans anymore. I mean, I just don't think you could do it. Uh, you're right. I mean, the ticket sales might say that they're sold out, but it's a bad-looking product. They're going to put games on ESPN and Fox and, and NBC. They're going to put them on their, their national networks, and it looks bad. You've got to cover up the seats. You could just, you know, you don't want to watch a product right now that looks like nobody has interest in. So they have to. I think they're going to come to two games, Elliot. I think that's where it's going to go. But even in this two games, you're not going to get star players playing for all the reasons you mentioned. But even special teams, which is a big part of any rookie trying to make a team and, you know, trying to earn a roster spot. I mean, I'm talking to Randy Brown of the Ravens yesterday, and he said he worked on eight punt blocks. He worked on eight uh, kickoff returns. You know, things that they, they might not get a chance to do in any game. In fact, all anybody does in the punt game right now Instead of returns, nobody tries to block any punt. They just rush six. And so no punter is really challenged in any of these games. You're getting a lot more out of scrimmages. And if you want to sell scrimmages on a, you know, a reduced rate, then do that. But I, I, even whatever they do, four games, two games, they're still not going to get players to play in the games. Mm. So one thing I really want to pick your brain on is you said you've been to 12 training camps and you're probably one of only a few hands few people out there that have watched almost every snap of these preseason games so far. What are the teams that have impressed you so far? What, what are some teams? Because I know when I watched the Eagles and the Ravens in person, I thought that was a potential Super Bowl preview. I mean, look, the Patriots are always in the AFC, a team that you, I guess, by default have to pick to come out. But I think the Ravens could be really good this year. 
The Eagles obviously have one of the best rosters, if not the best roster in the NFL. So those are two teams that I got to see up and close. And I said, these, these are Super Bowl caliber teams. From your training camp tour, who are some teams that have really impressed you, you think are going to be good this year? Well, I think anybody that just wants to jump the shark and put Cleveland as the AFC North champion hasn't watched the Ravens. Mm. They, you know, first of all, we know they're well coached. They were the number two defensive football last year with Eric Weddle, who was old and didn't have a takeaway, with Suggs, who was old and didn't do a lot. C.J. Mosley is a great player. But Peanut Owasu looks to be the same player to me. In fact, he's better in coverage. Chris Board and Deshaun Elliott on the Ravens defense look like the future of the Ravens defense. Nobody is going to move Brandon Williams or Michael Pierce off the line of scrimmage this year. They are loaded on defense, and they know how to play. Those two corners, Jimmy, Jimmy Smith and Brandon Carr and Marlon Humphrey, good luck trying to find a better trio in the league. Um, you know, I mean, they just know how to play defense. So I think the Ravens are the team to beat in the AFC North. I think teams are going to have a hard time defending the offense right now. I think Lamar has gotten better. He's not great at throwing the ball, but he's gotten better. I think the Ravens are can be a Final Four team. I think the Eagles are a Final Four team. I really like Lamar Jackson. I think last year he was slightly underrated. I think the criticism was a little too loud for what he was. I mean, this guy didn't get any reps with the starters in training camp last year, none during the regular season. They completely changed offense, offense midway through the year to better fit him. And as you know, as a former player, and as we all know from watching this sport, Changing your offense midway through the year in the NFL is, is almost impossible. I mean, the fact they did that made the playoffs is extremely impressive. So I do think a full offseason of Lamar being with the starters, building the offense around him, I think he'll be improved. That being said, this is a quarterback league, and he might be the worst quarterback in that division. So as much as I like the Ravens, I mean, I think Baker is probably better than he is at this point. I would take him over Andy Dalton, but you could make the case for Andy Dalton. And then obviously Ben Roethlisberger is what he is. I'm not sure after watching the Ravens, as good as they are, and I agree with you, that defense looks absolutely elite. The Eagles might have the best set of skilled players in the NFL, and the and the Ravens secondary shut them down for the most part. So there's their Ravens are not going to allow a lot of points. They'll control the ball. They'll run it a lot. But ultimately, to win this league, you have to throw the ball. And I did not see a quarterback in Lamar Jackson that I think is ready to throw them to victories when when, uh, when he has to do it. Well, you, you, you know, in that uh, in that essay right there, uh, Elliot, you did say something that really is is important, though. I mean, once Lamar came in the game, uh, the final seven weeks of the season, they led the league in time of possession. They played mm -hmm. keep away. There were some good offenses that simply just didn't have the ball. And so that defense rested. You're going to keep the score down. I mean, maybe 20 points is enough to win Raven matchups against the Steelers and the Browns and other teams. Um, you know, and so they're going to play a ball control style. It's going to be like getting ready in college football for an academy. You're going to have a week to get ready for an offense that gave a lot of teams problems um, up until the Chargers defeat in the playoff game. It gave teams fits, and it's going to give them problems again this year. This Justice Hill they've got is going to be a good rookie. Uh, Mark Ingram is a good fit. Uh, the offensive line is not a great offensive line, they, but they, they do know how to play within that scheme. They're going to give you a lot of things to think about and look at. Yes, on third downs in this league, you've got to convert passes. But I can see this team 
on any situation of third and four or less from almost anywhere on the field being in two-down territory, knowing how good the defense is, how good the kicker is, uh, and going for it and say, okay, if we get two yards on third down, it's fourth and two, fourth and one, we're going to put this offense back on the field. We saw it last year. We're going to see it again. It's a different style. No, they can't throw it like Baker or Ben, but they could do a lot of things that are going to do things that is going to keep the score down. But do you think you can still win like that in the NFL? Because when you look around the league, the Rams are one of the most, I mean, they were in the Super Bowl last year. They're one of the most innovative and aggressive teams out there. The Saints, the Patriots, the Eagles. Final, these are teams. The Super Bowl. What? It's the final score of the Super Bowl. Right. But that is, that was uh, an outlier as to what we saw last year in the NFL. The best offenses were on the best teams. I mean, look, I think to win in the NFL these days, you have to throw it early, often, and basically all the time. I don't know if you can win. Look, you can maybe win one week, but I don't think you're going to be a 10-11, 13-win team if you don't have a quarterback that can throw the ball. And that that's my biggest concern with the Ravens. I agree. For, for certain teams, when they go and they have to play the Ravens, it'll be tough to game plan for them because that week of practice, when, you're, when your defense is preparing for the Ravens, not many teams on offense can duplicate what the Ravens run, right? It's going to be tough to game plan for. And that isn't an advantage. But at the same time, outside of the Super Bowl, we saw that the quarterbacks won in the playoffs. I mean, the Chicago Bears had one of the best defenses in the league last year. They couldn't get past the Eagles because Mitch Trubisky just didn't get the job done. I don't agree with that, Elliot. I mean, look, the, the New England Patriots went to Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes and the number one offense in football, an offense that scored 66 touchdowns, didn't score a mm -hmm. point in the first half. The Chargers were the seventh best offense in football and rolled the second half of the season. And they scored seven points against the Patriots. I mean, when it came to defense in the postseason, it won in every game. And so the Chicago Bears, like, look, I mean, they were the number one defensive football and they couldn't win at home. Um, you know, the Eagles found a way. I mean, look, it was a, you know, it was, came down to a field goal kick. But defenses in this league are still giving great offenses fits. And I know the Chiefs scored 66 touchdowns. But the Ravens give the, gave the Chiefs fits. They had to beat them in overtime to beat the Ravens that day. They hit Patrick Mahomes mercilessly in week 13 last year. I mean, they hit him 18 times in that game. Um, mm -hmm. you know, it was just one fourth and 20 pass by Patrick Mahomes that we saw all year that rescued the Chiefs from winning that game. So I, I look at defenses, and they're still dictating a lot of Sundays in this league. So do you think teams are making a mistake then? consistently only hiring offensive head coaches. Obviously, Vic Fangio got hired this offseason coming from Chicago. But overall, you know, the, the joke around the league is if you know Sean McVay, you'll get a job, right? Like, do you think a lot of good defensive coaches are being overlooked for head coaching jobs? Well, what you're saying, Elliot, is not wrong, because what you're saying is right. But these teams are looking at the wrong things. Mm -hmm. Look, they're, they're, they're looking at coordinators and guys that come out of successful systems to be head coaches but to be a head coach you have to be a leader so Anthony Lynn is a great leader he never called a play in his life he's never been a coordinator Anthony Lynn's a, I think a very good head coach you're around him he he acts like a head coach he delegates well he's got the respect of the players they play hard for him he's a motivator he lets them know when they're acting up and not performing they when Anthony Lynn to me is the guy that teams should be looking at. And I have no problem with all the guys that have come out of Sean McVay's system here to get head jobs. But 
they're looking at the wrong factors, whether it's an offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator. Vic Fangio can look, they're going to have a great defense at Denver. Wherever Vic Fangio goes, they're going to have a great defense. I mean, that's going to follow. I, we got to see if Vic Fangio is a great leader in Denver right now. So speaking of hiring, I think it's a good good chance to bring in our sponsor for the Prevent Defense podcast. That is ZipRecruiter. Look, Baldy, we just talked about hiring head coaches. It might be the hardest position to hire in all of sports. Hiring a head coach is crucial to uh, to being a good football team. Some of these coaches might want to look at ZipRecruiter, some of these owners to find their next job. Hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. Today, hiring can be easy, and you can only have one place to get it done, and that is ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't just stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. Maybe the uh, the Denver Broncos got a great match there with Vic Fangio. We'll see. But ZipRecruiter is so effective that four to five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And Baldy, I think one thing we can agree on when you're building and the smartest way to build your team is you have to have a quarterback. I agree with you to a certain extent, and you made good points about how the Ravens will be able to win with Lamar Jackson, but you've seen a lot of teams invest in young quarterbacks over the last few years. I mean, Sam Darnold, Daniel Jones, even Josh Rosen has switched teams, Kyler Murray, and then of course we have guys that are almost viewed as old now, but Carson Wentz, Patrick Mahomes, and uh, Baker Mayfield. Before we get into each of them individually, I'm curious, has anything stood out to you so far among the young quarterbacks in preseason? Uh, the best performance by a rookie quarterback in this preseason has been Ryan Finley of the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, he looks like he could be their starter. Um, mm -hmm. You go back and watch that game against the Redskins. He was outstanding. Um, but I think we've seen a lot of good performances. Drew Locke can play in this league. When his time is ready, I don't know. But he can play in this league. Um, you know, both those players, Ryan Finley, Drew Locke, they're all playing in systems that they never did in college. You know, they were in shotgun systems and threw the ball out of a spread offense for the most part. But you watch these guys take the snap, play action pass, turn the back to the defense. Um, I'm, I'm excited about and encouraged by a lot of these quarterbacks. Sam Darnold's had an outstanding preseason so far. Um, but I think the league is in good hands. I mean, obviously what Baker and Mahomes have done is, is fantastic. What Carson is doing, I think, uh, you know, he's going to be a candidate with what is around him this year to be an MVP of this league. But I'm encouraged by Josh Allen. I think he's got a future in this league. I, I know he's throwing the ball better than at any point he did last year. And he might be the best athlete at quarterback at that position. Deshaun Watson has got two new guards, two rookie guards playing right now. And Max uh, Sharpening and Titus Howard. They looked pretty good last week. And that was a, an impressive opening drive by the Texans. So you go around the league right now, you can find very few holes at the quarterback position. Even Josh Rosen, I think, has really acquitted himself pretty well in Miami, uh, considering the offense line he's playing around, uh, playing behind right now, might be the worst in football. So I think two of the quarterbacks that have really stood out to me so far in the preseason 
They play in the same market, and I'm really hoping this can turn into a rivalry for years because it would be great for fans everywhere. But Sam Darnold and Daniel Jones. Darnold is kind of, uh, you know, we talked about how they're not really playing their starters that much in preseason. I think he's been out there for three or four drives at this point, three of which have ended in a touchdown. He has a touchdown himself. I was pretty skeptical of the hire of Adam Gase. I didn't really see what was on his resume that kind of kept getting him these jobs. Um, especially if you're going to put him around a young cornerbacks like Sam Darnold. But when you look at what they're doing so far in the preseason, I think Darnold's looked great. They're going to add Le'Veon Bell. I'm very encouraged by what I've seen from Sam, Sam Darnold. Are we not taking the Jets seriously enough as a team that could push for a playoff spot this year? Elliot, who are, who are they going to play a corner? <laughs> like, who well, are they? I mean, I mean, there's holes. In that team. Now, fortunately. But just about Darnold, though. I'm just curious. What, what do you think about just how Darnold has looked? Like, how do you think uh, his uh, second this. year projects? Well, I'll say this. I think – I remember talking to Tony Romo last year. Uh, the Jets were getting ready to play Chicago. Uh, CBS, their number one game in Chicago and the Jets. I was there doing a game of national radio. And I remember talking to Tony for 20 minutes before the game. And he said when Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and Drew Brees stepped aside, that Sam Darnold is going to be the elite quarterback in this league. You ask him why. Well, his ability to go through progressions, to throw accurately, to lead. I mean, he's got a lot of great qualities. I was talking to Josh McCown about him yesterday, and they drove to work every day at practice last year with the Jets. I mean, we're talking about a bona fide star quarterback that has all the qualities you're looking for. He finished the season, the last month of the season, very strong, played very well, and I think the best thing that has happened to Adam Gase is him firing, basically helping to fire Mike McCagney and getting Joe Douglas there. Joe Douglas is already rebuilding the offensive line. Um, you can count them right now, Elliot. You can start today on August 20th. You can count at least 10 moves that Joe Douglas is going to make between now and Thanksgiving. He's never going to stop adjusting that roster until he fixes the roster, whether it's getting rid of bad guys or cancers or upgrading positions. They're, they've already begun the process, and it's only going to continue. I think the Jets will be a very competitive team, but I think Buffalo is going to be very competitive. So, I mean, I think they're still chasing the Patriots, both teams. But I think both teams are improving right now. So so preseason is a time to overreact. And in a few weeks when we're doing this, you might check me on it, and maybe I'll end up being dead wrong. But am I crazy to think Daniel Jones might actually be really good? Like, when I watch him in the preseason – I'm a big believer you can't take everything from preseason. You can tell who can't play, though. Like, Daniel Jones might not be as good, but you could tell if he sucked. And when I watch him, he looks like an NFL quarterback, which will be the ultimate victory for Dave Gettleman after that pick was basically mocked by everyone everywhere with how early they took him. I think Daniel Jones is good. Like, am I wrong for that? No, you're not, Elliot. Um, first of all, I don't get a chance to talk about too many fellow Duke grads um, in, in the NFL. So, you know, me and Daniel Jones share that experience of going to Duke. We both uh, have a great affinity for David Cutcliffe. But honestly, you know, I, I've talked to Daniel a couple of times since he's been drafted. You know, Duke has not had a player drafted since Jamison Crowder before Daniel Jones. I mean, he went his whole career without having one draftable player on his team. So when you watch Duke play, and nobody watches Duke football, everybody watches Duke basketball. But, you know, he, he, I've never seen a, a quarterback have more drops all the way to their final win against Temple in the bowl game. Um, I've never seen a, a quarterback have more drops. The guy can play. He's been extremely well coached. Um, he had one scholarship offer uh, from Princeton 
he walked on at Duke. He's a self-made guy. And what we haven't seen in the preseason is his athletic ability. I believe he's the best athlete to ever play quarterback for the Giants. You might have to go back to Y.A. Tittle at the end of his career to find a better athlete. We haven't had the chance to see that because he's gotten the ball out of his hands so fast. He, outside of the couple, the, the fumbled snap and getting the ball knocked out of his hands once, he's had an outstanding preseason. I think he can play. Um, he's going to play this year. I don't know when it's going to happen, but he's going to play this year. Well, don't you think it should just be from week one then? I mean, I, I saw in Philadelphia when they traded Sam Bradford and started Carson in uh, 2016, they don't win that Super Bowl in 2017 if Carson doesn't play in 2016. Every snap Eli Manning takes for this roster is setting the Giants back to when Daniel Jones becomes the guy. Because, look, the Giants roster is a disaster in a lot of ways. After trading Odell, they do have Saquon. But, you know, Golden Tate's now suspended for four games. They've had injuries at receivers. So I don't think the Giants are going to compete this year. But that's exactly why you want Daniel Jones in there. I want to see Daniel Jones play against, you know, the tough opponents on their, on their schedule. I want to see him struggle. Carson wasn't great as a rookie, but he was really good in 2017 because of it. I see no reason at all Eli Manning should play. And I think Pat Shermer might agree with me, honestly. Well, it's interesting because I never understood I'm going to make a parallel here, but I'm going to get to your, your question here, Elliot. I never understood for one second how Cleveland could draft Baker Mayfield and not let him even compete with Tyrod Taylor. Like, I never understood that. I mean, if you watch Baker Mayfield from his walk-on freshman days at Texas Tech, that guy could throw a deep ball. And he proved it the day he entered that Thursday night game against the Jets. And the entire stadium just went crazy. Um, but the Giants, and almost – to a, well, to a fault. They are madly in love with Eli and what he has meant to this organization. And it is the most difficult thing every organization has to do and come to grips with is either moving on or releasing great pillar players that are enshrined forever in your history. And Eli is certainly that guy. And they're just having a hard time making the decision. If you're going to draft Daniel Jones, the sixth pick, you draft him because you believe that he's a frontline player. And to your point in this league, why delay the process? I'm with you. Although people will say Patrick Mahomes learned a great deal behind Alex Smith that first year in Kansas City. He learned how to be a pro. He learned from Alex Smith every day. And I think Mahomes really benefited. And I think it's a big part of why he was the MVP of the league last year. So you can make a case for both sides that having Daniel Jones in the building with Eli every day can enhance his progress in ways that maybe if Eli wasn't there or isn't there, because if you're going to start Daniel Jones, it makes no sense to have Eli there. I think you can make case that he can learn just as much watching and watching Eli prepare every day for his future. So one team that didn't have a hard time moving on from their quarterback, the Arizona Cardinals trading Josh Rosen after just one year. You probably know more about X's and O's than almost any media member out there, obviously as a former player. I've I've been waiting to ask you this question. So before we wrap up, I have to ask you, do you think the air raid offense can work in the NFL? Because so far, Kyler Murray's results in that offense in the preseason have not been good. Now, it's just the preseason. Again, you don't want to overreact, but he's been out there for five drives, punt, 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 and safety with three of those drives ending in negative yardage. He's a rookie. Cliff Kingsbury is a rookie. I get that. 
Is this a problem? Do you think that this is a sign of what's to come? And can Cliff Kingsbury's system work in the NFL? And is Kyler Murray the guy to do it? Because I'm skeptical about Kyler Murray. Well, you know, in their first game, they lined up in against the Chargers. They lined up in the same formation every play. I mean, Cliff's going out of his way not to show you anything. So okay. I, I wouldn't read too much into what the Raiders just did to him, although Kyler wasn't sharp in that game. Um, and the skilled players weren't very good. Uh, so I'm not – and the offense line is very average, uh, below average, actually. So I wouldn't read too much into it. But if you just say air raid offense in the NFL, and we're talking about the, the run and shoot, or as, um, you know, the great buddy Ryan once said, you know, the duck and chuck, or the chuck and duck. So, uh, yeah, i got to get that right, buddy. Um, <laughs> I played in that offense in Indianapolis with Jeff George. It doesn't work in the NFL. You need a whole lot more. Um, even the the pure spread offenses in college football don't really work because at some point you run out of first downs and you better score in the red zone or inside the 10. Um, and even then, you the protection breaks down. Uh, the type of plays you run aren't really great red zone plays. I think it can move. I think they won't. I think they'll have an offense that won't be 32nd in the league like they were in 10 categories last year. But, you know, Cliff is a smart guy. He did a lot of Texas Tech games over the last six years with Cliff. And he is smart. He did play in the league for four years. He was with the Patriots. Um, he does know how to put an offense together. He does watch. He has watched the NFL, watching Mahomes and Baker over the last few years on Sundays. So he's had an eye on it. I think he'll know red zone, tight ends, two backs. I mean, I think you'll see a pretty good variety. But you're not going to see anything in this preseason. Mm -hmm. So I, I agree. That, that is a good point, that they probably have not shown a ton. Still not overly encouraged by what I've seen. But maybe the weirdest plot line so far in training camp is the Antonio Brown saga. So he was back at practice. He's been dealing with this helmet issue. I have to ask you, as an old-school football guy, just what's your reaction been to this? Because I see it, and part of me sides with Antonio Brown. I mean, if you want to wear a certain helmet, you should be able to wear it. I get the NFL is protecting him to a certain degree, but I kind of side with Antonio Brown. Like, how do you think this would have gone over back when you played, and how you were at, you were up in Oakland, uh, you know, at their training camp? What do you think of that whole vibe that's going on now, right there? Well, it's not. I mean, look, you win as a team. You know, ultimately, all these good teams are trying to create a locker room that just polices itself, where the coaches don't even have to do that part. The players do it. So, like, Josh McCown told me yesterday, being around the Eagles for, you know, five or six days now, he's waiting for the shoe to drop. He can't believe the locker room that he's in. He's never been in a locker room like that. They don't have any bad guys. Like, mm -hmm. he, he, he doesn't understand. Like, he thinks it's just a dream. I'm not saying Antonio's a bad guy. But I was in Oakland two weeks ago, Elliot, when this story broke about the helmet. We're still talking about it. Like, like two weeks is way too long. I understand your point. And I, and I sort of defended him, saying, I understand. Like, I wore a knee brace on my knee every single day that I played in the NFL from a college injury. If somebody said you can't wear that brace anymore, I'd be ticked off. So I understand receivers need vision. Because they got to see who's coming at him. If Vontez Perfect is coming across the middle to blow him up, he wants to see it. He doesn't want obstructed vision when, you know, Derek Carr is letting one fly 60 yards down the field. I get that. 
But two weeks is way too long. And it's become mm-hmm. a centerpiece to that organization for far too long. And for him not to take a meaningful practice snap yet says to me, it's, and I watched Hard Knocks this week, it's too loose and it's, it's, it's too much about him. And it can't be about the star wide receiver. It just can't. It has to be about the team. And at some point, he's hurting that team with his own personal vendetta. And that is not a good sign. Because if you think it's going to end with this helmet saga, I think everybody's crazy. It'll be something else before not too long. Yeah, it seems like it certainly is always something else with the Raiders. Excited to see what Hard Knocks has in store. So we're going to wrap up the first episode with that. Training camp, preseason, about two more weeks. Do you got any more uh, any more trips planned, or are you uh, just kind of hunkering down here and watching the tape from now on? Uh, you know, I've seen everybody in the NFC East but the Redskins. So I'd like to go down and see what Jay's doing. I, I've watched Dwayne Haskins here. When you, we haven't said anything about Dwayne. Yeah, I thought he's played real well. Um, I don't know that he's ready to start yet, um, you know, for Case Keenum. But I think he's looked pretty good. But that's a – place defensively that I think they have a chance to be really, really good. They've got a lot of great players on that side of the ball. But I might make a little visit to the Redskins here before we kind of end training camp officially, Elliot. But uh, right now I'm just in the film room, literally in the film room right here at NFL Films. And I just want to come and really start looking at some of the back roster of some of these teams, see if I can find some players that might, you know, surface here in the next two weeks. Man, pretty soon you'll be like Mike Mayock getting hired to be a GM. I'll have to get a new pod partner. You keep uh, keep breaking down all this film. But look, all right, that's the first episode. I want to say to everyone that's th- that's listening right now, we really appreciate you tuning in. We're going to be trying to do this once a week, if not twice a week during the season. But Baldy, I think you agree with me. Everybody, go out there, tweet us some questions. Leave them in the reviews. We want you guys to help shape this podcast. I'm lucky enough to be here with Baldy, who knows more about the league than anybody else. So if you have a question... He knows the answer, or he'll watch the tape till he can figure it out. So you can hop in the review section on the Prevent Defense Pod and the Apple uh, Store, Spotify, all that good stuff, and then tweet us, and we will definitely see it, and we will get it answered. So for the next, uh, we'll be back next week, and Baldy, I look forward to uh, getting started with this with you. Elliot, I know you're out there grinding every single day, getting these stories and talking to these coaches and players, so I appreciate your knowledge. But this is going to be a lot of fun because uh, we had a lot of drama to begin with, But the great thing about the NFL is there's always storylines. There's always things to talk about that are off the field. I like to keep it on the field and and tell you what I've seen. But I think we're going to give a pretty good blend all year long. I look forward to doing it a whole bunch throughout the season. Yep, absolutely. I agree. So we will be back next week. This is the Prevent Defense Podcast. Baldy, talk to you next week. See you, Elliot. Take care, buddy.